Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 5. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. You know, I like these stories, and I find them, and I think they're great. Listen at this one. All right, Frank and Mabel have been married for 40 years, and Frank turned 60 a few months later, and they were celebrating Mabel's 60th birthday. Well, during the birthday party, Frank walked into another room, and to his surprise to see a fairy godmother appear before him. And she said, Frank, this is your lucky day. I'm here to grant you one wish. What would you like? He thought for a moment, and he said, well... I would really like to have a wife who is 30 years younger than me. Well, the fairy godmother said, no problem. She waved her wand and poof, suddenly Frank was 90 years old. (laughs) Copies available at the church. And uh, (laughs) if you're just joining us in John, uh, you know chapter 5 is a turning point in John's gospel. Chapter 5, you got your pen? Chapter 5, you begin to notice a growing rejection of the ministry of Jesus. John chapter 1 tells us the Word was made flesh and did what? Dwelt among us, you know that. So we know that God is on earth. In fact, God is in Israel. In fact, God is in Jerusalem. God is in Jerusalem moving among people and they don't see him. Well... There are a few that see him. Uh, The woman at the well, she saw him Uh, in chapter 4. A few Samaritans saw him. Uh, The nobleman who had a sick son saw him. A man who had been lame for 38 years and laying at the pool of Bethesda saw him. Jesus looked at him and said, do you want to be made well? And Jesus said, take up your bed and walk. Here and there, there are some believing Jews and Gentiles who saw him, but the nation and the multitudes as a whole rejected him. They didn't see him. They were blind. They didn't hear him. They were deaf. They were deaf to the defiantly repetitious ringing of Jesus claiming to be God. You'll notice over and over on every page of John's gospel is the claim that Christ is God. Every page, Christ is God. Christ is God. It goes on and on throughout the entire book. In John chapter 5, Jesus has been telling these unbelieving, blind, deaf Jewish leaders that I am God. Uh, Just by show of hands, were you with me last week? Show of hands. Uh, I told you last week, if you were here, you know I mentioned to you that um, we saw the Irony of all ironies in chapter 5. 
uh, as we talked about, it's okay to kill on the Sabbath, but it's not okay to heal on the Sabbath. And Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath, remember? And, Jew, and the Jews wanted to kill him. But not only did they want to kill Jesus because of the healing on the Sabbath, John 5, 18, look at verse 18 in chapter 5. Jesus is calling God his Father and making himself, what, saying? Somebody read it with me. Equal with God. Are y'all looking at verse 18? Are y'all looking at the new King Jimmy? All right, we all looking at the same Bible then, right? All right, he's making himself what? Equal with God. They wanted to kill him because he claimed to be God, because he claimed that God was his father. And in claiming that God was his father, he's making himself equal with God. I told you last week that the problem wasn't just that Jesus was saying God is the father. Jesus is saying God is his father. Jesus talks of God as his own unique father in a way in which no one else had him as father. Jesus is claiming unprecedented equality with God, making himself equal with deity. Now listen, in verse 17 through 47, Jesus is defending his deity. In your margins, you can kind of make a little, you know, brackets, a little uh, parentheses or something like that. And then and you, and you can say he's defending his deity and he's telling these Jewish leaders, don't tell me that I'm breaking the law of God. I am the law. I am God. I don't break laws. If there's a law that doesn't fit with what I do, there's nothing wrong with what I do. There's something wrong with your law. Jesus is saying, when you're accusing me of breaking the law, you're accusing God of immorality because I am God. Jesus would say, don't call me a blasphemer for calling myself God. You're a blasphemer because you're re 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 questioning my morality and I'm God. And you're questioning God the Father and that's the ultimate blasphemy. So Jesus is actually turning the tables on them in verses 17 through 47. Now, in the remainder of these verses, about 30 through 47, it feels like, listen to me close, look at me. It feels like a courtroom scene. And it feels like Jesus is calling witnesses to the stand to testify to his deity. Jesus calls four witnesses to the stand to testify to his deity. Got a pen? First of all, a prophet. A prophet, John the Baptist. And then Jesus calls a witness a phenomenon, miracles as a witness. And then providence, God the Father as a witness. And then prophecy, scripture as a witness. Four witnesses to testify to his deity. A prophet, a phenomenon, providence, and prophecy. I've titled this sermon, Here's the Proof. We're going to pick up in verse 30. Actually, we looked at a little bit about verse 30 last week. But uh, we'll pick up uh, verse 30 and uh, we'll pick up. And this is Jesus talking. And uh, he's giving a quite lengthy answer. I think we're going to read the whole thing and come back and have some comments, okay? John chapter 5, and we pick up in verse 30. If you're looking at verse 30, I need you to say a hearty amen. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. 
if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another who bears witness of me. I know that the witness which he witnesses of me is true. You have sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Yet I do not receive testimony from man, but I say these things that you may be saved. He was the burning. He, John, was the burning and shining lamp, and you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. But I have a greater witness than John's. For the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do, Bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. And the Father himself who sent me has testified of me. You have either heard, you have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form, but you do not have his word abiding in you because whom he sent, him you do not believe. Verse 39 is a memory verse, underline it. You search the scriptures. As a matter of fact, I need you to read it with me. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and these are they which testify of me. But you are not willing to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive honor from men, but I know you, that you do not have the love of God in you. I have come in my father's name and you do not receive me. If another comes in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe who receive honor from one another and do not seek the honor that comes from the only God? Do not think that I shall accuse you to the father. There is one who accuses you. Who is it, saints? Moses in whom you trust. For if you believed Moses, you would have believed me. Why? For he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. Verse 30 and 31 is a kind of introduction to the rest of the text in verse 32 through 47. Jesus has been saying that he's equal with God. Look at verse 30 again. Jesus says, I can of my own self do nothing. In other words, If you want to write something in your margin, write this. I'm not acting independently of the Father. I am hooked up with God. I am inseparably connected to God. I can't act independently of God. I can of my own self do nothing. So Jesus is saying, you can't accuse me and not accuse God. You can't say I broke the law and not say God broke the law. Now listen, were you with me last week? I told you last week that Jesus was making the claim that he was God. And I read for you last week a uh, quote from C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity. And I love this so much. I honestly, all week long, I couldn't get this quote out of my head. I just kept thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. And I love this so much. I want to read it to you again in the event that you weren't here last week. You missed it. And uh, I want to read it to you again. And then after I read it today, I'm going to Facebook it. And then after I Facebook it, I'm going to tweet it. Because this is a really, really good quote. Many people say about him, Jesus, I am ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I do not accept his claim to be God. This is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher 
He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Isn't that awesome? I want you to clap your hands right there. That's awesome. That is awesome. Jesus is God. Somebody say amen. And, and, and there's, there, there, there's no one in the history of man that is more loved or more hated than Jesus. Think about that. Do you know at the very mention of his name, people start acting weird, don't they? Don't they? You can just mention his name. You could talk about Buddha, no problems. Nobody gets weird. You can talk about Hare Krishna. You can talk about Muhammad. You can talk about whomever. But as soon as you say, am I the only one? As soon as you say the name Jesus, people just start acting weird. You say Jesus and people are like, oh, wait a minute. We don't talk about religion and all this Jesus stuff and all this. And, and you know why? I think, I think for a couple of reasons. But, but I think largely because there is power in the name of Jesus and the devil knows that. Am I right about that? There's power in the name of Jesus. The Bible says that there is no other name given under heaven among men by which we must be saved. No other name. There is power in the name of Jesus, and everybody has an opinion of Jesus. Listen to what John Lennon said. John Lennon said, we, talking about the Beatles, are more popular than Jesus now. I don't know which will go first, rock and roll or Christianity. He should have said, or me. (laughs) Mikhail Gorbachev. Jesus was the first socialist. Oprah Winfrey. Jesus cannot be the only way to God. See, some of y'all Oprah fans, I'd have messed you up, haven't I? (laughs) I told you something wasn't right with Oprah, didn't I? Y'all don't listen to me. I'm trying to help you. Y'all like, did she really say that? Yes, she did. Liberal Christians, Jesus was a good man, but he could not be the God-man. Islam, Jesus was merely a man and a prophet and was inferior to Muhammad. Judaism, Jesus was a false messiah. Mormonism, Jesus was only a man who became one of many gods. Jehovah's Witnesses, before Jesus lived on earth, he was Michael the archangel. Da Vinci Code, The deity of Jesus is an idea that the church created later. I think of, you know the name Joan Osborne? Joan Osborne wrote the song, uh, One of Us. You know that song, If God Were One of Us, Just a Slob Like One of Us? I'm like, speak for yourself, sweetie. Just a slob like one of us. I ain't no slob. If God were one of us, just a slob like one of us, just a stranger on the bus trying to make his way home. Remember that song? She won a Grammy for that song. 
And listen, obviously, I don't believe Jesus was a slob. Somebody say amen. But I do believe, I'll wait while you clap your hands. Jesus is God, not a slob. God, not a slob. But I do believe that Jesus Christ became one of us 2,000 years ago. And he was born in a barn in Bethlehem, 100% man and 100% God in one person. Jesus is the son of God. Jesus always was God. Jesus was not always human. John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Listen, do yourself a favor. For people who say that Jesus never claimed to be God, you take them to John chapter 5 and you tell them to read it. Don't argue with them. Tell them to read it. Just read it. Jesus is claiming equality with God. Notice in verse 31, Jesus says, if I bear witness of myself, look at verse 31. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. Now listen, the Jews knew the scriptures and Jesus knew the scriptures. And the Jews and Jesus knew Deuteronomy 19.15, which says, one witness shall rise against a man concerning any iniquity or any sin that he commits, but by the mouth of, somebody read this with me, two or three witnesses, the matter shall be established. So Jesus says, listen, we all know the law says something must be established by the mouth of two or three witnesses. Jesus is making it clear that he understands for these Jews, his testimony alone isn't enough for them to believe that he's God. Jesus says, you're not going to believe me just because I say I'm God. You need other witnesses. According to Deuteronomy 19, you need other witnesses to testify to this fact. And they have a good point. I mean, think about it. Anybody can stand up and tell you that they're God. But if I'm only claiming to be God, you're not going to believe me. So Jesus says, I understand your law says, our law says we need two or three witnesses Jesus says, you don't like me. You want me dead. So I don't think you're going to believe me. So let's obey the law of Deuteronomy. Jesus says, I'm not going to bring two or three witnesses. I'm going to bring four witnesses. Beginning in verse 33, Jesus calls his first witness, John the Baptist. Jesus says, remember John the Baptist. Are you looking at verse 33? Jesus says, remember John the Baptist. He bore witness to the truth, verse 33 through 35. John the Baptist, he was a prophet. John comes on the scene. He sees Jesus and he says, behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away, what saints? The sin of the world. Write this down, Luke chapter 7, verse 28. Jesus said, among all the prophets, John the Baptist was the greatest. John is the greatest prophet. Didn't I tell you this? John is the greatest prophet because John's message was clearer and more correct and more current than any other prophet. John pointed at the prophesied one and said, there he is. John is the prophet that the prophets prophesied about. John is the valedictorian of prophets. The other prophets only saw the shadows of Jesus. John saw Jesus. Jesus is saying, you must have had some confidence in his testimony. You sent a whole group of people out to see him. Look at verse 34. Jesus says, yet I do not receive testimony from man. 
but I say these things that you might be saved. Jesus is saying, honestly, I'm not calling John the Baptist for a witness for my sake, but for your sake. Are you listening? Jesus is saying, I don't need men telling me who I am. I know who I am. I don't have John the Baptist out there to keep me reminded. I had him out there in order that you might be reminded and be saved. God knows who he is. Somebody say amen. And the son knows who he is. Somebody say amen. And Jesus says, John's testimony was for your sake, but he testifies, I am God who has come to take away the sin of the world. Look at verse 35. Verse 35 tells us that he, John the Baptist, was the burning and shining lamp. I love that. That's a tribute to John and a rebuke to the Jewish leaders. Jesus says, John was a burning and shining lamp. Listen, no one is burning inwardly and not shining outwardly. And conversely, no one is shining outwardly if you're not burning inwardly. Did you get that? And doesn't that sound like a great tombstone epitaph? Here lies John the bee. He was a burning and shining lamp. That's a great tombstone epitaph. Hey, listen to this. This is lighting things up a little bit. Listen to this. Here's some tombstone epitaphs. These are real ones. Real ones. Like real headstones. Harry Edsel Smith of St. Albans, born 1903, died 1942. And then the phrase, I looked up the shaft to see if the lift was on the way down, and it was. A lift in Europe is an elevator. You'll get that on the way home. Somerset, England reads this. Here lies an atheist, all dressed up, no place to go. London, England. Uh, Here lies Job Akil, age 102, only the good die young. Another, London, England. Here lies Anne Mann, who lived an old maid, but died an old man. In Kent, England, here lies Johnny Yeast. Pardon me for not rising. These are true. Birmingham, England Cemetery. Here lies the body of Jonathan Blake, who stepped on the accelerator instead of the brake. Here's another one. A lawyer's gravestone, a lawyer's gravestone in England said, Sir John Strange, here lies an honest lawyer, and that is strange. <laughs> Great tombstone epitaph. Here's John the Bee. He was a shining and burning light. Look at verse 36. Jesus calls the second witness of phenomenon, miracles. Jesus says, I've got a greater witness than John. Verse 36, for the works which the Father has given me to finish, the very works I do bear witness of me that the Father truly has sent me. Question, when did God the Father testify to Jesus? Well, God the Father testified of Jesus in virtually every work and word that came out of his mouth and ministry. Matthew chapter 3, Jesus is coming out of the water and we hear a voice from heaven that says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That's a testimony. Peter, James, and John on the Mount of Transfiguration. 
And Peter says, let's stay up here and build three tabernacles, one for Elijah, one for Moses, and one for Jesus. And the glory cloud showed up and said, this is my beloved son, hear him. At the testimony. And Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, God, who at various times and various ways spoke in time, passed through the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son. That's a testimony. When God speaks, he speaks in Jesus. Can you say amen? Over and over, the father was a witness to the work in the words of Jesus. I think of Second Peter chapter 1, verse 17 and 18. For he received from God the Father honor and glory. When such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. Y'all read this with me. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Can you, everybody read it with me? I heard four people reading that. Y'all read this with me. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.